welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. Here we are back again with another deep dive with an album that... The fucking cannot... goat. Oh, <laughs> the wow. fucking OG. <laughs> oh, shit, boy. <laughs> oh, Lord, he coming. <laughs> the best, the best. The best, best album. Metal, uh, the best album. It's the best album <laughs> of all time. the best album. Okay, you could honestly make a claim that this is one of the best albums of all this time. Right, so enough hyperbole. Um, this is weird. Today we're covering Lycathia Flame, Alvenifris. Now, this is a band from Prague, uh, Czechia, the formerly known Czech Republic. Um, and this album was released, I've got listed, uh, October the 31st, 2000. So at the turn of the millennium. And uh, I think I first heard it maybe about 2000 and two or three really yes i jumped on about this this piece of art for that long almost 20 years man i jumped onto this quick just because there was a lot of people just like this was because like this was like um around about the inception of places like metal archives and you know blog spots and stuff so it was great because it was kind of like tape trade and magnified and opened up to the wide world so i was like a kid in a candy store on on like the internet back in the days because i'd be looking like new releases and like just like those murmurings about this album. It's like, you know, like, like Kathia of Flames, like the best then from, you know, Czech Republic, now known as Czechia. And uh, I will say for the record, man, if you have never properly explored the, the Czechia death metal scene, there are so many hidden gems in that yep. scene. It's fucking unreal so music. how good that scene is. But this album in particular, yeah, so that it was just like, you know, like ridiculous statements, like, you know, the greatest metal album of all time. Like, not even just the greatest death metal album of all time, the greatest metal album, album of all time, the greatest album of all time. And I was thinking, I need to fucking listen yeah, I to this. Hear this shit. I was like, all right, let's hear this shit. Um, so I'm going to give a bit of a history on the band first before we delve into it. So um, an interesting fact, which some uh, more casual fans of this band may not know, is that they were formerly known and had a previous incarnation called Apollo and Spawn, where they released a demo and an album. Now, I've not listened to the demo, which is Bastille, Mystical, and Spiritual, uh, then parenthesis, First Spawn, but I did have a downloaded copy of Freedom, Hope, and Fury, which was their uh, first legitimate album, their only album released before they decided to morph into a new project, which became like Athea of Flame. I I read, sorry, just quickly, I read that Appalling Spawn didn't have Thomas Korn on drums. Is that true? That is correct. Ah. So... The previous drummer didn't get the name. Apologies if they're watching. Sorry, buddy. You weren't on Elverna Frisk. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. So basically what happened was when that drummer left and Thomas Korn came in, um, that's what that was the catalyst the to more than like Aether of Flame. But I will say, like, that first album, Freedom, Hope and Fury, the second spawn, is a great fucking album. Like if it's the cl- what probably the closest thing out there that sounds like Lacathia Flame, mm. and it's definitely like well worth listening to if you're a fan of Velvenifris. Like it's a good album, not as good as Velvenifris, but you know not many albums are. So the lineup. So we've got Peter Ptolemaic on guitars and vocals. I was I was panicking about how to pronounce that. <laughs> Potato. Like, P-T-O-E. How the fuck <laughs> do I pronounce that? So, so Peter Toe. Uh, Andy Maresh on bass, uh, Andre Martinek on guitars, uh, and then uh, you also had Jiri Tamanik, which is Peter's uh, brother, who provides a lot of the keys uh, on this album, but wasn't an official member. Uh, and then lastly, uh, but certainly not least, you've got Thomas Korn on drums. And uh, Thomas Korn is actually involved in uh, relatively renowned projects at the moment, such as Cult of Fire, uh, who have made big waves on the death black scene, as well as Death Karma as well. 
Um, and uh, he also drummed on a pretty uh, unknown uh, legendary brutal death metal album from Czechia back in the days called uh, Despise, was the band. And the album was called Fragments of Reprisal. Production's a bit iffy, mm-hmm. as is a lot of, you know, brutal death metal can be, but it's a solid fucking album. Nice. So if you want to hear Thomas Korn play some brutal death metal drums and blasts, mm. like, that is the album to listen to. Yeah, because Cultify, he doesn't drum as unhinged as he does in Elven the First Light. It's not, no. it's not, yeah, it's not comparable, really. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say, like, I realize I've been talking a lot about this uh, already. <laughs> I've just yeah. gone off on one. But like I, w- I think it'd be fair to say that the drums are probably the most divisible aspect of this album. Hundred percent, particularly the drum production, right? Yes. Like it's got that Saint Angus snare. Um, oh, it's, it's a ping snare. It's a it's a brutal death metal ping slam snare, and that is straight away. If you can't get past that, you're not going to like this album. And if that's the case, I feel very sorry for you because you are wrong. But <laughs> I feel like that's the thing, though, right? I feel like if you can't agree with the drums that's where you get the contingents of people that don't like this album. Because it's almost like that's that they can't get past that first initial mm. barrier. Um, which, which I actually do understand in a way. I do, I do get it because the drums are, especially in the original mix, because mm. the remastered one, they've, they've, the they've, you know, they've you know, altered the snare a bit and stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's so brutal, the drumming style. And there's so much going on in the music, which we'll get to eventually. But it's just, you know, the only drummer I could kind of compare it to a little bit is uh, Flo Moonier. Yeah, it sounds like Cryptopsy. It's like, it's like, it's more precise than Cryptopsy. I don't know if you could say that. Like, it's... Yeah, more precise, but with like a far harsher production. Yeah. It's just like, but it's... But I like the fact that things are high in the mix. It adds an element of chaos to the music, which... And I think overall, you can describe this album as quite a chaotic album, like chaotically beautiful. The, the drums, it sounds like he's always rushing to get to the next bar. Like he never missed, he never drops time. But you know the film Speed? Yeah, you know the film Speed where they're like, there's a bunch of people on a bus and if the bus drops below a certain speed, there's a bomb on the bus and it's going to go off and everyone will die. This album feels a bit like there's a bomb underneath his drum throne and if he plays <laughs> below a certain BPM, everything's <laughs> going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good analogy, yeah. Yeah. But it's, um, oh God, where do you even start this album? I think we'll do a track by track kind of review. If that's all right with it's you. It's the best album. You um, Did I recommend this album to you? This was the first album you ever recommended to me. Damn, what a way to start. It was a double whammy because I actually discovered Phil Wadey's podcast, Phil's Breakfast Metal, through you recommending this album to me because I looked it up on Spotify after you told me about it. And this album isn't on Spotify, but Phil Wadey did a rec- an episode where he was talking about this album. So I listened to the podcast just to... Here, yeah. there's, there's the little sample of things, whatever, because where I was, like, I couldn't listen to YouTube because it was blocked on my, like, work Wi-Fi at the time. And, um, yeah, and I was just like, what the fuck? I, I would love to know, like, because the thing is, like, you know, you'd be listening to this album for the first time in, like, quite an advanced, like, mature, yeah, as, as an advanced mature and, listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't imagine what that would be like for, for me like, personally. It, I, there's very few albums that I've heard that have just completely... Like, but yeah, when, when you hear this, it, there's nothing like it. It is one of the, it's hands down one of the most original albums I've ever heard. The the fact that, that just the, the composition style, the the bare, like the bare raw emotion that this band lays in like in front of you when you're listening to this album. This album makes me tear up regularly. While I'm listening to it, there are times this album has made me cry. And we'll we'll get on to like the last track, but like this album is so emotional. 
whilst also being so fucking relentlessly brutal and heavy. So fucking heavy. It doesn't make sense. It's it, it just fucking incredible. It shouldn't make sense, but it does. And it just, yeah. hands down, is just one of the best death metal albums ever. Yeah, it's just so fucking... One of the best metal albums ever. <laughs> it yeah, doesn't it get the fucking respect fucking it deserves. In, in a league of its own. And I think even to this day, um, it's got like one of the highest, um, like in, in terms of like the sheer amount of people that reviewed it, it's got one of the highest aggregate scores on like metal archives and a yep. lot of sites and stuff. Like I think it's sitting it's like at about 96, maybe. I think it was. I was checking it this morning. How much is it? I think I want to say it was like ninety six percent or something. Ninety six, and that's high because the p- problem with bands that gr- that gain a critical acclaim or just sort of, sort of like audience acclaim as well is you then get people who who are going to not come down. But yeah, who go out their way to like not like an album just to kind of like be that contrarian. Yeah. And that's totally what happened because for the longest time, like only like a few years after the album was released, there was nothing but like 99%, 100%, 100%. Like at one point, it, the aggregate score was almost like 60 something reviews, 99%. <laughs> and then like people said, oh, it's not that good. Like, oh, the drum production <laughs> the drum shit. Production. Yeah. So will you record a better fucking album then? Yeah, you record a better fucking God. album. But anyway, should we get, should we dive headfirst into the music here? So first track. Land where sympathy is air. So the interesting thing is, I think when you listen to sound for the first time, you hear that first riff. I think it's safe to say it's an Eastern riff, right? Yeah. You think you're kind of getting Nile 2.0 here, right? There's a lot of comparisons online with, with Nile in this band. But it's totally unjust. I mean, eh, not totally unjust. No, no I, I, I agree. Because yeah. like this, this band actually, so a lot of the, this band is inspired mainly by Egyptian uh, stuff um, and references, but they also, which is obviously like North Africa. But the thing that's really interesting is they kind of do concentrate a lot on actual like North African scales and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as a white person who is like going out of their way to like learn Middle Eastern music, and I actually kind of have studied a lot of North African stuff as well, like yeah. like solely. Um, I, that might have just been that they've been like, oh, I'm really interested in Egyptian shit and like looked up a bunch of Egyptian <laughs> music. Maybe yeah. that's it. But like yeah. they do a very good job. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And like, yeah. It does sound authentic. And um, not to put you on the spot here, but I think one of the key, uh, one of the things about the guitar playing and style, which I think differentiates, differentiates this band from a lot of other bands in the death metal scene, is that they play in a major key, right? They do a lot of major key stuff. Yeah. Okay. A lot. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, which you don't really get in. So, like, when Death Heaven came out, people... Well, that was one of the things that people went crazy over Death Heaven with because Death Heaven used a bunch of major key shit. Yeah. And people were like, no one's done this before. <clears throat> like, no one was fucking talking about Akathia of Flames. But, again, yeah. very different. Like, Death Heaven doesn't sound anything like Akathia of Flames. Yeah. But, yeah, this... The, the thing is, the reason it still sounds so heavy is because they use a lot of... So, like... The the snare is part of it. If you had like a normal sounding snare and you're... It, it wouldn't have that hammering kind of like blasting. Yeah, no. and it's kind of like with the pingy snare, part of the reason it kind of sounds better like that is that they're hitting the snare a lot. The snare is getting absolutely brutally abused throughout this album. It is getting hit frequently all the fucking time, which is why it doesn't occupy so much of a sonic space. And it's got this pingy, smaller, it takes up less space. It allows the other instruments to breathe. The guitars are very low. <laughs> They're very kind of low, deep, like like kind of low end, very dirty, grindy kind of guitars. The vocals are so fucking low and bestial. 
but they're writing all this stuff in like major key as well. But they're doing it all in these kind of weird time signatures. And there's a lot of stuff where they're just doing like a single bar of a riff into a single bar of another riff into a new section. Yeah. They switch frequently between cl clean and distorted guitars, which is quite unusual for like a, a grindy, death metal-y, kind of brutal, slammy kind of band. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, the only band I could think of that really kind of were, were, were doing something similar, even though, albeit musically, they sound quite different a lot of the time, is Cryptopsy. Like yeah. Cryptopsy would dip in and out, you know, like especially Whisper, Supremacy era Cryptopsy. Mm. Um, you know, there was a lot of moments there where they would dip into like, but more of like a flamenco style clean passage. Yeah. And then back into like, you know, like the, the chaotic kind of riff, riffing. Uh, whereas here, there's so, do you know what? It's on paper, this shouldn't work because yeah. there's so much happening here. And yeah. they, they've managed to masterfully somehow cram so many different elements from so many different styles. There is not an album out there that exists that is equal parts achingly beautiful and brutally heavy. No, there isn't. No. There just isn't. No. No. There's lots of like, this is yeah, somehow like heavier than, if this was like a Doom album with all the same concepts and stuff, it wouldn't be as heavy as, because there's, there's something about the way it assaults your senses that makes it heavy. There's yeah. that thing, but there's also, there's enough breathing space and enough melody where it's pleasurable to listen to. It's not just atonal. It's not just, this is where uh, like Aether of Flame are, in my humble opinion, much better than Nile because Nile have a lot of very, they're incredibly talented, incredibly, like a lot of very good writing and I do love Nile. I listen no, to I Nile do and love I like Nile, Nile a lot. For the record, I love Nile. But yeah, for the record, I love Nile. But the thing that really separates this band and that band in terms of their theme is that like, a lot of Nile just comes across as like atonal. Like it's just beating you around the head. Like you listen to a couple of Nile songs. I'm like, I'm going to listen to something else now because I want to hear some riffs. Yeah. But like this has riffs as well. Yeah. <laughs> and like beautiful, there's like clean vocal passages randomly that come in that are just gorgeous, just achingly gorgeous where he's just kind of like almost like singing to a child, like to yeah. sing it to sleep or something. It's, and yeah, because you're right. When you listen to Nile, you, you're never once... Um, really taken out of the mindset of, oh, I'm listening to a death metal album here with some, you know, like Eastern influences yeah. and, and themes. But there's so many moments on this album. Let's take the first track, for example, Land Where Sympathy Is Air. Like the melody at 145 is like the first example of like, this album, could, it feels spiritually cleansing. Yeah, you, know, you can listen to this album and feel like you're ascending on top yeah, yeah, of like yeah, yeah. one of the fucking pyramids and like you, you can yeah. picture like yeah, yeah, yeah. these giant Egyptian, like fucking Babylonian gods and shit. Like yeah. it's just... It totally takes you out of that feeling you get with a lot of death metal where it is, you know, because for the, for the most part, there's a lot of death metal out there. We listen to for the riffing primarily and the brutality of it, whereas yeah. this band manages to retain all those elements. Yeah, but also, giving you other shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, like the, the, the major keys, it's just how they manage to blend like the major, the, like a lot of the major guitar work with the super like uber brutal like death metal parts like it's got some of the heaviest like segments in, yeah, I, in any album i've ever heard i i i'm as a, as a musician i'm constantly inspired by this this album like listening every time i listen to it i'm just you know there's sometimes you listen to like you listen to like animals as leaders and you're like wow tosin abassi's fucking good at guitar yeah this this you listen to this album you're like wow this band is fucking good <laughs> yeah. everything and there is there's 20 minute footage it's the only footage I could find of them playing live on YouTube it's, yeah it's like fuck commerce fest fuck, yeah fuck yeah, commerce fest fuck it was commerce, 2001 yeah. wasn't it that, they're fucking they bring it live as well oh mate his fingers <laughs> are all over that fretboard like he is making love wow. to that fretboard um, the, the, sorry 
It's um, it's funny. Did you see their Encyclopedia Metallum image? Which like obviously them like twenty years yeah, later. Yeah, the repress of the album. Yeah, yeah. They're so old. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's just like yeah, we made this one fucking sick. It's like Demolik in it. We've made this one fucking sick album. We don't. I wish to, this we, album, this band, would come back and do a Demolik. They need to do their victory lap tour, man. I know. They need to get. Weird. They need to be playing with like a big like Blood Incantation needs to kind of go on tour with uh with fucking like Aether of Flame. Yeah, that it's from what I gather because um. Uh, Yiri, the brother uh, who does the keys on this album, mm. does do some work with Cult of Fire as well. So we know that at least Yiri and T Tomas are still active musicians at this mm. point. Um, the other members of the band, I don't know what they're kind of up to. There's not much information about what they're up to these days. It but really comes back to Pateau, doesn't it? He's clearly the fucking the mover. I think it's his vision. Yeah, it's his yeah. vision. He's, yeah, Peter Tomanek, whatever's going on with him, he's the person that people need to talk to. Like, I guess his life just doesn't move in those kind of... Yeah, but it's maybe he's ill. You never know. Like he might have developed some kind of health condition, so he can't play anymore. Like it's possible. And that, or just like you know, the, the harsh reality that there's no fucking money in the scene, and he's he's true. You know, he might have written one of the best albums of all time. But it's not going to pay the fucking bills. Yeah. Um. So you got got a job as a fucking roofer or just something else. That yeah, I mean that's that's what a lot of these like like these bands that came around at this time had to do. Like you know, you didn't have the digital boosting that a lot of bands benefited from from that can you that mid 2000s myspace era where a lot of bands got big really mm. quickly because there was that exposure and it was like fresh new exposure yeah. it hadn't become as inundated and overcrowded yeah which it did become very very quickly you know yeah you had bands like waken the cadaver who were like you know like the darlings of the myspace scene yeah and then before you knew it two weeks later there was a, a, a hundred thousands deathcore bands doing the yeah. same thing doing the same thing yeah you know, it's and that's often the way in the scene you know like there's something that's discovered that's new and fresh and everyone else just homogenizes it to the point where yeah. it's it becomes really hard to pick the diamonds from the rough. It's it's interesting though. I think a lot of a lot of the fact this band is good is because they are, you know, they are doing like Egyptian stuff, and like there is there is a certain amount of that. Like as far as I can tell, no one in the band themselves is Egyptian, so it is just a bunch of white people from, you know, Czechia just being like, oh, let's do, yeah. you know, and it 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 works that Niall do it, but there's like you know there's like like Cult of Fire for example they're like a much more extreme version. They, there's a whole visual element that comes to Cult Fire and it's like, it's very pretty to look at and there's lots of stuff that they're kind of like, you know, on Cult Fire and they're like Facebook and stuff, they talk about having like a spiritual advisor from India and stuff like that. And it's like, you come back to it and it's like, you are just a bunch of white guys just kind of wearing like Indian symbolism. It's like a bit weird, yeah. you know, music's great, but like, it's like, you kind of feel like it should just be a bunch of Indian guys doing that because they're kind of, do a more real version, you know? Yeah, I suppose but it's kind of like a thing with like white people don't really have a lot of culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. If like, if you're talking like, or if they do, they like get problematic with it and <laughs> take <laughs> it in the wrong fucking place. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like, I don't know, maybe that's part of it in some way. Like, um, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's really interesting, but like, I don't know. Yeah. I guess there's only so much you can say about it as a white person, but the, there's a lot of like longing and a lot of love. And I really think, you know, you were saying about like, Peter, is it Peter? Yeah. 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 Easy to pronounce the nickname. Peter Pateau. Um, presumably he wrote the lyrics, but like from what I can see is like there's a lot of longing and a lot of love and there's like this kind of romantic vision a la like disembowelment. Again, there's like a common theme of like there's a lot of romance. 
Yeah. There's a lot of desire, a lot of love. Yeah. And like the lyrics to that first song where a land where sympathy air, the sympathy is air, which I love also. Do you know that French band um, Birds in Row? Oh yeah, I remember Birds in Row. Birds yeah. in Row, like because they, they they were like saying when they made their name, they were like if we just called ourselves Birds in a Row, it's kind of stupid. But like they, you know, they were talking about like the the name of the band is to do with like you know, like kind of a vision, an idea of, of like birds being a school, like following each other, not knowing yeah. who's in charge or whatever, or just knowing where they go. Yeah. But like just changing the wording slightly gives it this whole thing, like birds in a row. I don't know, it just works and it's yeah, not yeah. stupid and it's not strange. And it's yeah, kind of the same. It rolls off the tongue a bit better rolls as well. off yeah. the tongue yeah. and it also is more kind of stands off. And it kind of feels like that for me here. It's not, it's not the land where sympathy is there. Yeah. It's land where sympathy is there. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It's such yeah. a little thing, but for me, it's really like powerful. But there's one stanza of the lyrics towards the end of the song where he says, I am searching for the land where I will fall on my knees and will be weeping for a long time, where my mind shall extend to the sky and my heart shall speak the language of the trees and open like a water lily touched by the morning sun. Like, how fucking beautiful that's is that? And like, that's the bit where he's <laughs> like, I think that is the line where he's like doing the chanting bit, I think. Because yeah. it's just like, that's one cool thing and you touched upon it a bit as well. Like, the clean vocal passages are great because they're, they're very ritualistic at times. Yeah. It's like when they're not sung, it's often done in a kind of like a very um, oratory sort of way where they're like, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's still, you know, it reminds me of Enslaved. Yes. You know, the yes. way they implement the clean vocals. And there is definite parallels between like Kathir Flame yes. and Enslaved purely in the way they make me feel when I listen to yeah. the music more than anything. It's something that, you know, just pierces my husk yeah. and like uh, attaches to my soul. Yeah. And that's something that they have, that both bands have that are very akin to each other, which is why I hold both of them so dearly. In such high regard, yeah. yeah. Don't you feel with the with the clean passages, like the ritualistic ones that you're talking about, when he sings them, whenever I hear them, I feel like I've got my eyes closed and my face is like I'm facing the sun. You can almost fucking it doesn't matter if it's a cold day, you can almost feel the warmth of the sun on your fucking face. Yeah. There's something that's so and again I say this word a lot with these kind of bands that I love that we love is like it's fucking joyous. Yeah. This album celebrates existence. Yeah. This album is not trying to fucking get you to work in an Amazon warehouse. This album is getting you to fucking celebrate being a human soul who yeah. is alive and dancing through the fucking stars and the cosmos and being a fucking brilliant individual made up of all your past experiences and everything you are. It's like I fucking love that about this album. So oh, it's fucking yeah, they hit the nail on the head there, man. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. So second track to second become track. shelter <laughs> and salvation. Um, one thing um, I do like about um, uh, one thing I think is just so fucking understated about the band is how masterful they are at the instruments to begin with like the guitar work on this album is relentless it's and, so fast as well dizzying <laughs> and like you know this is technical death metal but not in the soulless way and I love bands like Necrophagist and I love some of the bands that spawned as a result of them yeah. getting the traction that they did but this hits different yeah it does uh, and this track in particular, um, I love it because they, 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 they're great at building the atmosphere as well and leading to those heavy riffs. Yeah. It's always such a good payoff. Like the track's off, you know, it's melodic. It gets progressively heavier and heavier. You get to about three minutes in where there's like a really cool kind of like clean sung passage with like the semi-clean guitars. The way they seamlessly transition out the clean guitars yeah. and the fucking, and the, the, the fucking, the fucking heavy the guitars one, is just yeah. unreal. 
Um, and it's got like a really cool, like fucking discordant doomy passage in this track as well. Mm. Like they don't, they, they fucking experiment a lot with, like I said, time signatures and um, just different paces. Like, you know, there's, they've got a lot of slower doomier riffs and some absolutely blistering fast work. So it's just Most every track this album is amazing. <laughs> Most of it's fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, fucking, yeah. I mean, I would say a good 80% of it is <laughs> blisteringly fucking. <laughs> So um, it's so much. I just yeah, I love how much so much of it is just on the snare as well. But again, it's so precise. There's something yeah. so precise about the drums that really separates out the drum performances. Really, cannot be understated. Yeah, because it's like it's one of those things where it sounds like his drumming is. If he missed one beat or was slightly out of time by a fraction, it would fuck up the entire track because so there's so much shit he's doing. Mm. So to be that precise and, st- and to still keep it together yeah. shows how good of a drummer he is because there's so much going on. Yeah, because I feel like this was all recorded like, I feel like at, le- at the very least it was recorded between like uh, like a guitar track and the initial drums live track together. Yeah, because um, uh, yeah, like the, the, it's, it's, it's really cool. There's a couple of bits where the guitars don't like quite make the riff or whatever in time. But the, I feel like the drums do. I, I mean, there must probably be a couple of drop notes on the album. Must be with the sheer just the sheer number of hits. But um, like even when the guitars, the thing that's so cool is that the times where the guitars don't hit the notes, I feel like it might be a case of not that Peter made a mistake. I feel like the times that Peter drops notes is because it's not humanly possible to play them at the speed they're <laughs> playing the song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like they wrote beyond human capability, <laughs> which yeah. is why you just don't hear bands that sound like this. No, no. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's the fucking, it's the upper echelon. It's the highest epoch of fucking musical genius, in my opinion, because it's just got that soul as well. Uh, the next track on the album is oof, probably a contender for maybe one of my favorite tracks on the album. So Bringer of Elvenifrist Flame. Um, there's one riff in particular, um, which, oh, well, firstly, I want to talk a little bit about three minutes in, we get a riff that definitely sounds like it could be taken from like one of Enslaved's more progier moments. Oh yeah. Like it's just so fucking cool. Like I just love the tone and the feel of it. And the major riff that comes in, which is like a variation of the main blasting riff, sounds so fucking joyous but chaotic at the same time. Yeah. It sounds like someone losing their mind. Yeah. Like, it's just like the... Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so happy, but it's like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Because it's so heavy. But, ah, so good. But yeah, just that segment is one of my favorite segments in music. It's just, because there's Me a bit too. where... I know the bit you're talking about now. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's so, so good. Because it kicks, because first time he hears yeah. it, it, takes you off guard. And then it transitions into like the almost like flamenco clean part. Yeah, he's like, and then he's like playing it on the ride, on the drums as well, like switches up the rhythm and it's like... Oh yeah, because he it yeah. comes back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so fucking it's good. Really, like, really good. I, I do not have anywhere close to the musical theory knowledge to even... At, comprehend what has gone on this album <laughs> it's just fucking absolutely bonkers but um yeah, yeah absolutely fantastic track yeah i um, love the um the the phil wadey review of this he's saying like how there's so many like effects and stuff on the guitar he kind of imagines the guitarist like running around like stamping on a pedal board like trying to turn everything off or something yeah, yeah. just, just stomping about <laughs> oh. but it's uh well quick ma- ma- 
give a quick shout out to like the keys on this album as well because it's something oh, you were mentioning fucking so good oh so tastefully done it really really tastefully done because if there's one album that you you would think wouldn't need keys because there's so much going on already yeah yet they still have added them in and have totally not detracted yeah from the atmosphere or the musicianship of the other members they're yep. so well done really well and they done. just really add to that kind of transcendental like atmosphere of the album just so fucking just Yes, oh. I can't remember what song it's on, but you know that bit where it's like. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like the way the the key the keys harmonise with the guitar, with the particular chords he's playing. Again, it's just like so beautifully, so well thought out. It's just so. It's just like some of the melodies are incredible. Like, and I've just, and you know, like we were saying with like um the end uh, the end of that um sadness album. Like you hear some of the chords played and you're like, I don't fucking hear people play these chords. And I don't know if it's because there's two different instruments playing like complement complementary notes or what, but like there's something about the chords that they're playing where it just, it sounds like a half forgotten memory. You know, it's like yeah, you yeah, feel like it calls, it feels like a childhood memory or something. Yeah. It's like you, you ever had those dreams, you know, where you wake up and you're kind of in that kind of like um, that half conscious state. Yeah. You're just transitioning out from the dream world. Yeah. And it's like a really peaceful dream. Yeah. And it's just slowly fading into like, yeah. like the annals of your brain and to be like forgotten forever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, just, it's really like that, but like a between place. But it's just they've definitely tapped into something that fucking very few bands. And it's funny because I remember when me and Nina were reviewing the Afterbirth album, and mm. there is moments on Afterbirth that I do think that there is. I don't know if it's a direct influence, but something that definitely harkens back to some of the some of the guitar work that the Lycathia like of Flame are doing on this album. Interesting. I'm pretty sure I've seen because I know Cody. I think Cody controls the. Afterbirth Twitter, I feel like I know. F I know the the big wheels mentioned them loads on the Heavy Hole podcast. I know he's definitely a huge fan of like Aether of Flame, but I'm pretty sure I've heard Cody mention them. Would make sense, right? Yeah. It's just I feel like anybody like who's like super into the death metal scene who's come across this album. There's not many people. Yeah. Because the thing is about this album, which I think often doesn't get mentioned too much, is like there is a clear like element of like slam and traditional death metal on this it's album very slap that that's kind of part of why it's so good if you yeah. ask me it's like yeah it's like brutal death metal it's not just death metal it's like if it was just like a death style album it would still be incredible it would probably be more accessible and more successful if it was honest to be honest with you it probably yeah. would be if it was like that um but the fact that it's not the fact that it's this more brutal slammy thing is like kind of again it's like just doesn't make sense no. like you just don't hear bands that sound like this because, yeah, you're right. They could have probably stripped back about 70% of what was going on here and created a super popular accessible metal album. <laughs> yeah. But they haven't. They've just said, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing, we're, we're creating like something for the diehards yeah. to be appreciated by people who love extreme music. There is a band that sound like that, though. Have you heard of a band called Sutra? No. Oh, I've got to fuck it. You dude, you got to hear Sutra, man. It's oh, fucking great. They're it. literally like, yeah, what, what I just described there. It's like they heard this and they were like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah, they're, they're really cool. I yeah. need to check them out. How do you spell it? Uh, it's like, like Karma Sutra. I'm pretty sure Karma it's like Sutra. Okay, cool. I, I definitely need to. Then. Any band that can achieve a fraction of what this album has yeah, achieved, I'm really going to give cool. the time of day. Yeah, very like posy vibes, but like very, but it's like more like a death style album than a oh, okay. slammy grindy kind of album. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's very good. Yeah, it's uh, so. The next track we've got uh, "Flower and Entities." Now, what's cool about this track is 
the first 30 seconds of this track is some of the most schizophrenic <laughs> 30 seconds of music because you get you get like this crushing doom like death rip like proper blasting an acoustic passage and then something that sounds like something off of fucking symbolic by death yeah like it's just, and that's the first 30 <laughs> seconds you just say uh, like what the fuck is going on um this, and, yeah. this is the one with the like the the beautiful fucking clean passage this is so sick so fucking good and it's just like you know the interesting thing about this album is there is pretty much elements of every facet of what this album is bringing musically in every track yeah there isn't a single track that is a bit more edging on that side or edging on another side every track Bring pretty much roof. features all the components meshed into one but this is what's so masterful about the album they've managed to retain all those components but write compositions that are original yeah. catchy groovy fucking super melodic and they've done that fucking 10 times on the album well nine times because the last track's more of an instrumental yeah then, and which is beautiful in its own right yeah but it's um but yeah it's just crazy how well constructed this album is yeah well yeah um, <laughs> I mean, the, the 11 tracks of this album could just be me and you go yes it's the best album ever like yeah. <laughs> it's just so fucking good i mean I, I could just and that's the problem when i think reviewing it and often when i review something that i've got such a, 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 a you know like a, a nostalgic and passionate and uh just deep love for yeah it's just like it's just me fawning and saying the same shit over and over again yeah but like but that's, uh, that's good and like i think yeah people people need to hear that but people need to, to people need to understand that this piece of art has a affected you that deeply like that's what people don't really share a lot in reviews and that's why i don't really care for like fake fucking people you know and that's why it's better to i i like i think i would much rather talk about an album like this and do a video that's not gonna fucking get a million views necessarily because it's an album not everyone's heard of but you know what like we fucking care about what we're talking about yeah you know, rather than be like, if we were both just Googling like, oh, what's the biggest album right now? Oh, maybe if we place this one, people yeah. will click on it because it's new. Like, we're not really, who gives a fuck? No, like, fuck. What like, I give more fuck about is just like, you know, like what happened with the Phlebotomized album. Like I was over the moon that yeah. the guys in Phlebotomized saw it, saw and, like, it and were, like, were kind enough to share it and yeah. also say, hey guys, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so like, much for the fucking art. And you had that, you get to have that connection with like a person like, I don't know, it's just really important to like, yeah let people know that like fuck i really appreciate what you've done yeah and it's like you know and this is an album that you know saying that this isn't an album that i would say is maybe underappreciated in the grander scheme but like in certain circles this is a heavily lauded album yeah like this is you know like i was saying at the beginning like this is an album that people refer to as being like one of the best of all times it's like the people involved in this album I'm sure they fucking know how, they one, how good know. it is. Yeah, they know. And two, <laughs> how much has changed certain yeah. people's lives. Yeah, there's um, clearly just stuff behind the scenes that we'll just probably never know. The the lyrics to Flowering Entities are really cool. God, there's one line where he's like, let's learn. As the sun for the earth, let's become salvation. Let creatures flower and shine under the touches of beautiful energy. Perhaps it can't be seen, but they are starving and thirsty. They are eager. As a mirror, light, let's reflect negativity and show pure reality. Let's become the islands of peace and harmony in that vast ocean of discomposure and disharmony and let the tired ones rest. <laughs> what a beautiful last line as well. Let the tired ones rest. It's so caring. It's you know so what I love fucking about this? nice. You, you go to like a focus group, right? Yeah. You read out these lyrics to people. 
and you say to them, you go to say a focus group of like musicians yeah. and say, I want you to write the music you think this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they play like free chord fucking acoustic bullshit. And then you play them yeah. this and then you hear like the fucking, I want to give a shout out, like P- Peter's vocals, like are some of the most brutal death metal vocals they out there. Are. Uber Pain gu- stripping. They're guttural as fuck. Like super, super. Like it's like, like on the what I was saying uh, when we were reviewing the Sandus album about like you know like the whole thing about enunciation. Like mm. you know, on the flip side to my pre- appreciation for enunciation, um, that sounds like I'm spitting bars. <laughs> it's spitting bars. Appreciation for enunciation. <laughs> appreciation. Um, I, there is a part of me that is still love, still loves that super fucking subterranean. Yeah. Can't make shit out. Just like like just pummeling because it, it's very percussive and that adds to the brutal sections yeah. of the song as well because it's like an additional element yeah. of the music that is just there to just viscerally you know kind of beat you into submission and force you to you know appreciate the music yeah and i just i just love it and i think that sort of vocal style fits so well with the style of music yeah and i think you know i was talking about the drums being quite divisive but i remember reading a few reviews where people were not overly fond of the harsh vocals uh, wow really yeah i think because they would have preferred like it's funny because i actually remember reading once how much of this is true i don't know but the band apparently changed their name again to just like like, like a thing like a yeah, yeah and yeah. there was rumors at some point that they added a clean vocalist and keyboardist that was meant to be for a full-time member of the band have you not heard the i <laughs> might have heard in the past but i'm not familiar. no no but in the the remastered version of the album there's a there's like tracks at the end of it, and one of them is a re-recorded version of, I think to give, I think it's to give, but there's a re-recorded version of to give after the original recordings, and it's got the female singer and the violin on it. Fuck you! Shit you not me. heard that? No, because it's wild, man. I ha- I have this album on CD. Yeah. right? it's my most prized possession. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a bit I love a copy of this on vinyl, man. I have a fucking. But so Dude. I I nabbed this on CD. I've got a CD copy of this, so yeah, I, I listened to get the shit copy. out of that CD. And obviously, I ripped it and then uh, upgraded it to like uh, 320 kilobytes per second. Yeah. Uh, well, down from FLAC when I converted it. Um, or oh, not FLAC, sorry. Uh, this WAV. fucking band doesn't have a fucking Bandcamp. I know. Just make a fucking Bandcamp so I can give you money and get the files. Just <laughs> yeah. fucking do that. For I me. do. I'd buy it. I don't. I don't no, collect vinyls. I'd, buy, but I'd physical, buy this vinyl. But if I buy the physical, I'm paying some schmuck, some mook that bought it ages ago. No money's going to the band if I buy it on eBay. Yeah, but do a fucking Bandcamp so I can buy a second hand. Same thing with sadness. Like I'm gonna buy a CD copy of eBay because I really want a physical copy. Yeah, of it. But it's like, yeah, just let me give you like a fucking five or ten or whatever. Like I just want an outlet to give these people fucking money. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally, man, totally. I'm, mean, I'd, I'd be fucking buying it. That's for sure. But it's um, uh, yeah. So I'm so well versed from the original uh, mm. mastering, and so I actually didn't know there was oh, I, the remaster. I, I listened. I have listened to the remastered one. I listened to the remastered one prior to reviewing this one, but for whatever reason, I think I think I saw those bonus tracks at the end. But because I knew that I wasn't necessarily going to be reviewing the bonus tracks, yeah. I just didn't listen to them. I did not realize it has the like the it's new lineup. Weird. <laughs> I it's not as good. But need to listen to this as soon as I finish you, the podcast. Yeah, we, you, we need to put it on, dude. Because yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll you jam need to that hear afterwards. It. Yeah, it's on YouTube. There's, there's one of the YouTube versions. I'm pretty sure the remaster. It's like one of the last two tracks or something. And do you know what? This actually transitions quite well because the next track on the album is actually "To Give," and which now, is the first song of theirs I heard. Yeah. Now the cool thing about "To Give" is I would say if I were introducing this band to someone who wasn't necessarily like a massive sort of like super death metal nerd like we are. 
I would recommend this track because I think it's probably the most accessible track yeah. on the album. Yeah, it feels whilst, like probably like the single. Yeah. yeah. While still retaining all the key components. Like it's got that. I just love the fucking, I love like the galloping drums and you know, like yeah. the triplets. Like triplets and fucking metal are so cool, right? It's and just, those ascending chords, because this is one where it's like, like those ascending chords. Like, yeah, it's like, this one feels a little, it feels a little bit Meads of Asphodel-ish. Because they're another band where they sometimes incorporate um, like very kind of positive moments. Yeah. I need to give them a chance. I remember seeing yeah. the name all, all the time growing up and getting into the scene, but never. I can't remember what the album is, but it's the one that's got the a baptism in the warm pit of slaughtered children. <laughs> <laughs> that album. Because I, I, think, I think sometimes people see, I think people see Meads of Asphodel and they've got all of the like crusade kind of imagery. Yeah. And they think that they're probably like some kind of jarhead or whatever. But like the whole thing with them is that like crusades are bad, <laughs> you know, yeah. going into other countries and just fucking shit up for no reason is bad. Like it's very like kind of tongue in cheek. It's like everything is about like war is bad. Religion yeah. is bad. Like It's so like, not kind of like semi glorifying in the way that nah, Sabaton kind it. of do it. Yeah. I wouldn't say Sabaton are fully glorifying it, but they're kind of. They're treading a bit of a line, aren't they? Yeah, there's. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've never really listened to much Sabaton. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're great and, and stuff like. And it's like again, it's like Sabaton are cool because they get like history students into metal, like you know, I guess yeah. like people that are really into like warry history and stuff, yeah. which is like a type of nerd. Yeah, you know, I guess that starts them off the line. But really, they should be. It's like, it's like the thing is, right? You can listen to Sabaton, or you could listen to Hail of Bullets. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why I've never listened to Sabaton because I'd yeah. rather listen to Hail of Bullets. Yeah, Hail of Bullets, or even 1914. <laughs> yeah, nice obviously Bolt Thrower. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, no. yeah. But I feel like Hail of Bullets is the more like That's... grounded in real war. You know, because like Bolt Thrower aren't like. 1962 <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean they're not doing that shit it's like in more, the trenches in yeah, the tre yeah, yeah they are but it's not like yeah like i feel know. like bolt throw is more casual about it it's more uh, bolt for is more like spirit it's like a um, not spiritual that's not the word i'm looking for they're like conceptual right yeah. bolt for is more like conceptual and obviously that's like a really cool thing about how they transitioned from being like the more kind of like fantasy based with whatever they're writing into like kind of more actual war ever. And that's like a really clever thing. Yeah. They, I mean, they do have moments cause they've got like that song at the end of one of the albums where Carl's literally just reading off a list of every conflict yeah. ever. I can't what album it's on, but it's one of the later ones. And I feel so like he's kind moments. of like went a bit further with that with Memoriam as well. Seems like he's taken the more socially conscious yeah. uh, lyrical themes and, you know, explored that tenant yeah. of his like lyricism. Austerity more. kills and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's, yeah, again, that's like something I think that's like really cool how they really honed in on that and stuff. And like, again, like that's really cool about Hail of Bullets because obviously, um, what's his fucking name? Van Duren, is it? Yeah. yeah, Martin Van Duren. Yeah. Yeah, he was in, the guy from Asphyx, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he was in Bolt for, for that one album. Yeah. And then I, can't, I never remember which one it is, but I think it might have been like the one with the Constantinople painting on the front. I can never remember, or Renegade or whatever it was. Um. But yeah, like obviously with them, it's like really cool because like their songs will be like, they have like a song about Kristallnacht and it'll be a song about this. And it's like actual things that happened in history. It's, it's so cool how like similar they are, but they're very different at the same time. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know what? Talking about an underrated band, like Hail Bullets, man, fucking uh, yeah. rock. Have you ever listened to God Dethroned? No. So they're an interesting band because they started off a bit more with like your, your standard like uh, satanic anti-Christian kind of shtick. Mm. But then they went through a phase where they've done three albums that were like purely like sort of anti-war or war based. 
and like Dutch band as well, like totally fucking like legit. And like in their later albums are more to do with kind of like uh, organized religions, but particularly honing in on not necessarily attacking the religions themselves, but mm. the predators within certain religions that use that as a vassal for their kind of depravity. What was that death metal? There's a death metal band. And they never got big because they de- they had like a major label debut and their album was called like Pedophile Priest. <laughs> I can't remember what fucking band it was. No, you're, you're thinking of Flesh Grind. The first album was called Flesh Holy Gr- Pedophile. No, they had a song called Holy Pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to the interview and this singer, he was like, on reflection, probably wasn't the best name for our first album. But fuck it out. I got to say, Rich Lipscomb, the singer, he he passed away, actually, I think in 2020. Oh, no, really? Yeah, it was in rest in peace. Um, He, um, he, the guitarist from Flesh Grind was a guest on the Heavy Hole podcast. That's it, it was the guitarist. And um, and to be honest, man, I I fucking love like those Flesh Grind albums. They're good. Murder Without End, Seeds of Abysmal Torment. I really, really dug them. Um, I just picked him up randomly in HMV one day, uh. the one on uh, Oxford Street. I just saw the CD and I was just like, oh, that looks like death metal. I'll buy it, listen to it. And I was like, oh, it's got super guttural vocals. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's like, yeah, I'm sold. Yeah. But yeah, man, fuck. Right, should we get back to the album? Yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, that's no, a no. little tangent. Yeah. <laughs> so To Give, yeah, great track. Uh, next track. Okay. Uh, on the Way Home. There seems to be a bit of a theme in regards to like, you know, returning to like a homeland or like whether this journey is spiritual or a physical one. It's very kind mm. of, you know, seems to be about self-reflection and yeah. attaining some form of personal nirvana, whether it be, you know, like in that traditional yeah, you know, sense. sense. Or Could you find any reference to what Elvenifres is, if it's a real thing? Because I no. couldn't. I couldn't find. I fuckle. tried finding it, and every reference I, I I looked, I found came back to this album. I couldn't find it as a real thing. That's fuck all. I I couldn't find any interviews with the band. There's that one 20 minute clip of them playing live. Yeah. Um, and then you've just got like countless YouTube uploads of this album with yep. people talking about how much they love it, and that's reviews. fucking it. Yeah, that is it. And I wondered like if it's kind of like a again like a conceptual thing, like an ideal. You know, I wondered if it was like, because um, the last track of this album, which we'll get to, is called Walking in the Garden of Ma'at. And Ma'at is the Egyptian goddess of truth, justice, balance, and most importantly, order. Yeah. So that's a reference to like a real thing in Egypt. But Elvenifris yeah. isn't, as far as I can find. It, pro- it could be. It could just be like such a small thing that you need to find it in books and stuff. And yeah. It's not easily yeah, Google. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly possible. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, because obviously, like, Bringer of Alvanifris Flame, there's references, there's multiple references to Alvanifris in the lyrics of like other songs. The first, I think the first, the first song, song, right? Yeah, the yeah, first song's got there. Yeah. yeah, so that's clearly like a recurring theme. Yeah. So I wonder if that's like a journey, like, is that like he's trying to attain a thing? Is he trying to be like, maybe is Elvenifris a person? He's trying to like become like Elvenifris during this journey? I've kind of, the way I kind of look at it is, and I've kind of only really been thinking about this subconsciously, not too much, uh, I'm not too much focused and honed in on this idea but obviously with the track name bringer of Valvenifris mm. flame the reason i could kind of link it to in a way which is kind of corny is there's this concept in the lord of the rings mythology but you've got the sacred fire mm. which is what fuels life mm. and the whole thing is morgoth the first dark lord is looking to uh, uh take control of the sacred fire mm. to become as powerful as eru iluvatar like the, the Tolkien's version of God. Um, so I kind of, in my mind, attribute that as a similar thing, perhaps. Mm. Maybe it's like this inner fire or this yeah. inner thing that you could kind of attach to your soul as a person. Yeah. And, you know, something that's not physically attainable, but is only attainable through, you know, whether it means a meditation or just sort of like soul searching. 
Yeah, because the, the lyrics, I didn't think to look at the lyrics of Bring Revive and Ephraim's Flame, but it says, Again he'll find himself in silence and solitude. Again he'll rise from land of sadness. Again he'll begin to shine for your eyes. Tears shall bear his inner beauty, a noble soul, and his body will come into flower by gorgeous aura. His eyes shall fill you by energy. His eyes shall permeate behind your walls, and your strongholds shall crash. You will stand before him in your nakedness, and maybe then for the first time you will see it yourself. But do not be afraid. His eyes shall purify you, and the iced hearts of yours shall suck the rays of his sun. And you'll hear the beautiful voice and the purest words, the unspoken ones. You will comprehend real love, and awakened you will weep. So I guess it's like, yeah, some kind of almighty kind of figure yeah well i've just had a thought so lacathia flame kind of formed with the inclusion of thomas corn right mm. thomas corn's in cult fire mm. and i feel like there's a lot of kind of mm. spiritual connection. connection between the two bands in terms yeah, of the, the cult fire is all about indian stuff and this is yeah. all about egyptian and there's no real link there they're not even close are they no nah, but i think you know just that that similar maybe just a similar theme the of spirituality just on, in, yeah. in general mm. perhaps maybe he was a lyricist for Elvenifris. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it was like true. a Neil Pitt yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you're right, because he did, it did form with him. Yeah, we don't really know. Do we line up? There's not that. No, I've just Googled. I've just uh, went onto their Metal Archives page there and I can't find anything. Yeah, it says vocals, but we don't know he necessarily wrote. I have to have yeah. a look in the old... So I'm thinking, because well, obviously when he joined, they kind of, you know, mm. got rid of the Apollo and Spawn moniker and, and then morphed into like Aether of Flame. So yeah, perhaps it was his inclusion that maybe... And maybe his lyrical, um, mm. the things he was interested in exploring lyrically that might have geared them towards these themes in the album. Because it yeah, definitely, you're totally right. Like mm. what he's doing in Cult Fire is, oop, is very different. Mm. But I feel like there's like a, a slight thread of similarity just in terms of that, like that inner yeah. soul searching. Yeah, that inner sense. Yeah, that's, that's again, that's, I kind of think that's the thing here is that there's this extra, there's this extra step of removal, which is why it works. Because he's not like the pyramids of Egypt, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no like I stood in front of the Sphinx. You know? There's no cover of walk like an Egyptian. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, like Japanese bonus edition. Yeah, yeah, that's what stops this feeling kind of racist to me. Yeah. It feels a lot more inspired and kind of like there's a love and a desire and a and a you know there's 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 just so much love in the lyrics of this album. I love it so much, and it's so, yeah, it's so kind of unique from uh, that kind of point of I view. I think that's why you've got to take some of these sins. And you know, it's very, it's it's difficult for us as two white males born yeah. and bred in London to comment on how people should interpret this, right? Yeah, right. But like, yeah. at the same time, I feel like you do need to take like a case-by-case -case approach yeah. to these sort of things. And you know, yeah. this album was released in 2000, probably recorded before then. And course, you know, man. like there's like, so, so many- Social consciousness in the year 2000 is like way different to what it oh, is now. Yeah. yeah, 100%, yeah. So like, it's, um, and this is why I'm so desperate for- more just like want to know more just like more i mean more music would be great but like yeah. you know just some some fucking something from a band something. member just to explain some of the shit because i'd love to be a fly on the wall mm. just to find out what the fuck was going on when they were putting this masterpiece yeah. together we need to get we need to print out a picture of um peter um that from that that most recent picture of him holding the vinyl of the thing because that's more what he looks like now just yeah. in case he's at hellfest and That'd if we great. see him walking around, we could put a sack over his head and then take him to an interview <laughs> tent and be like, right, we're going to get some answers. Yeah. Do you think he had, a, you saw the live clip, right? Do you think he had a touch of the David Vincents about him? Yeah, he looks sick. He yeah, looks yeah, so like, good. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, he looks really great. That's, I'm so sad there's not more live clips. They're really cool wow. looking. Yeah, right. Which track are we on? We're on the way home. Um, 
I would say this is probably uh, the most epic song on the album, mm. which I think is quite a prestigious title considering how fucking it's very epic album. Epic the album is. Uh, once again, you know, it's got that distinctive uh, Eastern flavor, especially on the opening riff. Um, this there's a riff in here, which is backed up by the keys that really conjure up that feeling of Egypt to me. I've never fucking been to Egypt, but this riff reminds me of Egypt. It's the one that goes da 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 da. Da, na, na. A bit like that, but it's. No, I'm it's, not hearing it yet, but I'll, I'll no. probably know. I'll probably, I'll probably get. I'll it play for you. I'll get it in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's. I oh, just. Oh, I, I think I know what you mean now. Yeah. I just love the way, like this band, they, they have to. It's almost like there's some member of the band that is reminding everybody composing the album that there needs to be a super brutal section. It was like, yeah. we need to hit them hard at some point. And right? I don't care how beautiful this album is, yeah. there needs to be a fucking blasting segment. Yeah. And yeah. it's always so fucking sick. Fucking and like, so sick. And this, the, the, the transitions on this track alone, there's so much riffs and transitions going on. And like, you know, for the drum, for Thomas Korn, Tomas Korn, I think it was how you would pronounce it, to be, um, to keep up with this and keep the drum feels energetic and consistent is just so fucking astounding. Yeah, yeah, it's but. beautiful. And again, like it kind of somehow with those melodic elements feels like you're on the way home. Yeah. It has that feeling. It yeah, does. It somehow conjures that in you. Like when you look at it for the first time, see it's called you're like that, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. makes total sense. 100%. Like the track yeah. On the Way Home and the, the last track, well, the one of the later tracks, which is probably my favorite track on the album, A Step Closer. Yeah. It feels like you're making yeah. a journey a step closer. Like it's it, like the music is reflected. Or the lyrics, sorry, are reflected in the music so fucking perfectly. And there's there's a lot of uh, the lyrics talk a lot about like lessons. There's a lot of like learning and accepting that you're not all powerful, accepting that your point of view isn't the only one, accepting that there are other beings more powerful than yourself. Which like yeah, it's really interesting and um, it fits it fits in a lot with that like you know like a cynic kind of yeah. deaf human that whole kind of side of things. This it's is a bit kind more like of, kind of metaphysical. And yeah. Just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, the, and like, I guess the flip side of what we were saying earlier is that you could almost look at this as like, this is kind of, if, if, what if Latter Day Death had ended up being a slam band, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of what this would sound like, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah, that kind of like, that more proggier kind of style. Yeah. 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 If, if Chuck was hanging out with Carl Sanders. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then they got into slam and yeah. fucking, yeah. 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 Or just fucking, uh, what's his name from, um, oh, fuck's sake. Paul Riedel. <laughs> yeah, Paul Riddle. Uh, <laughs> Even though he probably would have been about, well, he would have been about no, fucking, I mean, what, 10 months out? No, 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 yeah, actually, he's my age. Yeah, he's yeah, my age, yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, um, what's his name? Mullen. <laughs> oh, uh, fucking, yeah. yeah, Frank Mullen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. Yeah. I love Frank Mullen. You ever seen that clip of him playing, like, the final suffocation show and he's, like, fucking crying? No. Yeah, oh, so good. It's so emotional, man, because, like, it's. He's like, once again, a perfect example of someone that, that is like, don't get me wrong, Suffocation, legendary band, right? Mm. But this guy's making so much fucking money doing like actual, like fucking, I think he he either has his own construction company. Oh, really? Or something like that, and he's, which he is making an absolute killer on, like more money than he is on Suffocation. Okay. And he's just admittedly just hit the nail on the head and being like, look, listen, I've got a family now, I've got shit. You know, yeah. like the logistics of touring are so rigorous, right? that he's you know that he's decided to be a family man now but yeah. it was just so touching to see because it's kind of like bowing out on the high yeah because the man's super successful in his personal life yeah and he's achieved kind of like cult status in the death metal scene yeah like you know like suffocation have never compromised and yeah. his influence is also like indelible on the scene like you hear suffocation everywhere like you know they are the first one of the pro progenitors of that slam style yeah 
that's that's really interesting because that's like the inverse of um uh what's the original internal bleeding well not the original one but you know the, the Frank Rini, yeah. yeah, like hearing Rini talk about when um, when he got like called up to do like a bunch of like big um, like festival gigs and stuff with internal bleeding to come back. Like he got offered a whole bunch of money and stuff, and he made it like work with his like day job and stuff. And like he was saying how he had to like exercise loads to get back in shape to be able to play live and stuff. And yeah, and it was like he when he was playing internal bleeding like back in the day, like he never achieve those heights yeah and he kind of had he just had this normal life for years and he kind of was like can't do it anymore like originally and had to bow out and other people took their place took his place and stuff but then when he like came back for those shows like he got to kind of witness that yeah a bit like where like people like all these younger people were kind of like fuck internal bleeding is so sick you know it's like, the fr it's like kind of like a rocky balboa uh, moment yeah, like a, yeah, 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 yeah 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 totally yeah, yeah. which is so long yeah. island yeah no it really is <laughs> <laughs> it really is <laughs> All right, move on to the next track. So we've got a few left to go. Uh, Shine of Consolation. Um, oh, I love the riffs on this album. This has got some of the... It's funny, like, one of the segments kind of sounds like... And this would be the last time you ever hear me comparing, like, Kathy Flame to Metallica. But it's kind of got, like, you know, the, the one style machine gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, riffing yeah. and, and... Which, like, don't get me wrong. I, I do like the track one, but they've yeah. kind of done, like, this weird kind of, like, you know, fucking harmonic variation of it here. And it just sounds so fucking cool. I love how locked in the rhythm section are with this band. Yeah. Like the bass work on here is fantastic. Yeah, very understated, and under underappreciated. And it does get given the chance to shine. I felt like the bass is more audible in the remastered version. Yeah. Um, which I think is one you know, positive from the remastered version. Like I personally am a fan of like the you know the, the, the insane snare and drums, but it's uh, this track is great. It's quite. It's, I think it's the shortest track on the album as well. And once again, they somehow managed to cram every element. <laughs> of their what they're bringing to the table into a three and a half minute track which is just fucking nuts like yep. it's just it really is everything down to the clean vocal passages um this has got a, actually this track has got a really cool kind of like almost viking-esque yeah uh, emphatic vocal passage which yeah. kind of reminds me of you know like that that period of enslaved where um where uh well Grutler was doing like uh, the bulk of the clean vocals before um her brand was in the band. Oh, okay, yeah. But it was yeah. a bit more kinda like, you know, Norse esque. Yeah, yeah. And it has that similar kind of like, you know, like long chest boat pumping. kinda, yeah, 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 yeah. We're putting the long boats into the waters as yeah. we leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great track. Um and yeah, fuck uh, the next track, because we went from the shortest track on the album to I think the longest one. Uh Sadness and Strength. Mm. It's close. I think old an old man and a child is nine minutes ten. Sadness and Strength is 8.05. Okay, I'm a bit off on my time in there. <laughs> um, God, there is one riff here about like, I think it's about a minute in, that sounds like the guitar is being fed through like a car alarm or something. So it's just like really jarring, but yeah. like super fucking cool. And it's like a proper dizzy in like uh -huh. technical riff. What's the song that starts like... Because they use um they use octaves a lot on this album and it's really cool they use they use like clean guitar pedals but with like um an extra layer of the sound fed through like I guess like a pog or something where it's like an octave up to replicate those kind of like um yeah like more like traditional folk kind of string instruments that are kind of like oud and things like this where it's like much yeah. higher up and that's kind of like a kind of quite cool concession they make to yeah you know and a lot of those like ascending spidery kind of passages they play. Yeah, that's what, like you're talking about the the they switch between like effects a lot. Like a lot of the time when they're going into those kind of riffs, they kick on that like octave up effect, like both clean and on the distorted kind of thing, and it can really make a 
like a yeah. big difference, yeah. But like from from a from a technical perspective, how fucking hard is that to do? It is hard and it isn't because if you if you were just setting all the pedals up in like an order and you had to turn off each of them to do that, then it would be very hard. But you can get like pedal switches, yeah, where they've like it's like a separate box where it's like six individual like things you can stamp on and then you can feed the pedals in in certain combinations so it's like if i hit this first one it's like my dirty tone and this and if i hit this second one it's so if you were to do it in a certain setup like yes it would be impossible yeah. to do it in any kind of meaningful way but there are ways you can do it and there's like you've got like effects loops and stuff where you have like a, a dedicated clean sound and then you've got a dedicated like dirty sound like that's that's what i use in loan as i've got like a pedal that when I press it, like this is my bass heavy thing. And then I've got one where I can kind of like set up all, all my other like funky effects yeah. while the heavy one's on. Then when I turn the heavy one off, I've already got my pre-made like cocktail of yeah. modulated kind of effects. So there's, there's different ways you can do it. And there's, there's certainly things you can do to make it a lot more kind of sensible. Yeah. It's so, cause like, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, I always love hearing about the technical side of things because it's just something I'm just not well versed in at all because like this, you were saying this. You know what sucks bit. though is no one really talks about it, and it fucking took me ages to find out about stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really fucking wish I'd just been like, yeah, you can just buy a fucking thing that makes it way easier to do all this shit. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're saying you get quite a few people coming up to you just asking how they yeah, how they got gigs sound, and stuff. Like yeah, how to do this and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just yeah, I really wish that it was like there was more of a culture. I, I definitely grew up in a culture where people were like, oh no, if I've got a good sound, I'm going to hide it. Yeah, you know, but like everyone, if you're playing deaf, you're playing some kind of dual rectifier 5150 kind of thing, and yeah. that's just the best amp, you know. Yeah. But it, it's interesting because you go to like the the doom side of things. There's there's it's really interesting because there's a lot less focus on technical ability and playing well, and there's a lot more focus on like, oh, well, what amp have you got? A Sun amp? Have you got a you know? Is it oh, have you got one of these? Or have you got the most expensive orange amp? Or have you got the cheapest one? Oh, what fuzz pedal do you have? Do you have like a boutique fuzz pedal? Yeah. Whereas like in death metal, you don't get that. Everyone's just like, yeah, dual Rex. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and that's like ninety nine percent of it. You yeah. know, a lot of like you don't even have a lot of like clean sounds or reverb or anything like that. And or if you do, it's like a delay pedal. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have like um like bolt thrower had um a set like dirty sound and then they had another sound like both the guitarists had another sound for when they were doing solos it was just like tons of delay like, yeah and okay. a bit more distortion and that yeah. was their two sounds yeah that was all they used like there's probably things on albums where they added extra effects and stuff but when they applied like, that's all they needed yeah 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 <laughs> so it just shows i think more stripped back can be more effective at times right yeah Perhaps, yeah yeah, there's, there's just other elements and stuff. I think that's like when you incorporate certain things, like I was talking about that octave effect, that's like effects like that can give your band like repeated use of them in your songwriting and kind of like writing around an effect like that can give your band an identity. Yeah. And that's one of the things this band have done so fucking well that people probably weren't doing as much or in, in the same way. It's like it's really important to stand out from a crowd. Like if you're starting a band now, a, you should probably try and make it so that you people can find your name on Google. Yeah. You know, like like Aether Flame, pretty good name for that. Not yeah. that it's necessarily I don't think it's necessarily a good name. When I first heard it, I didn't like it. Like I love it now because I love the band, but yeah. I think when you hear that name for the first time, it time it doesn't really gel with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um 
but in terms of like their sound, like when you hear that first fucking bit of Elvenifrous, and it's like, and it's got the octave thing and it's clean and it goes, like they don't sound like, like in that first 10 seconds of fucking music, they don't sound like any other band. And they sound like, like Aethera Flame. Yeah. Genius. So like, so just, so like what you were saying is, so they kind of layer the ascending and descending. Mm. Then so it's kind of like go scaling up and down at the same time. Or? They do that as well, but that's not really what I'm saying. No, okay. that that kind of it kind of goes up and back down again. It's like yeah. they're playing up and down a scale. Yeah, but it doesn't always like end. Like I, I think like a traditional kind of Western thing is to like kind of. I mean, it depends. Like obviously, music's fucking very broad, yeah. you know. But like I think part of the f- the cool thing and that's quite present in kind of like Eastern. I'm not sure if North Africa really counts as Eastern, but. Yeah, like kind of like going to a certain place on a scale and then like going to a different place. Yeah. Where you kind of go up and go down, then kind of go up into a whole different register. It's like it's like that's quite yeah, an Got Eastern yeah. thing. Yeah, and that's kind yeah. of something that they've paid a lot of attention to before yeah. they even wrote this album because those riffs are very kind of like authentically... They're not like chopsticks, Eastern music. Yeah. You know, you could play like... Um, there's certain melodies and stuff where you'd be like, hum me like an Egyptian melody you'd think of like walk like an egyptian yeah yeah or something like that you know i mean there's certain things that you can kind of think of as like a hackneyed version of like i don't know much about music but this is what i would think that is yeah yeah. then these guys have gone i'm going to use rhythms and stuff that people play on traditional folk instruments from that region yeah so based on all that i would presume these guys are classically trained would you think i mean there's they i i certainly could make sense if they were because they're so fucking talented yeah yeah i mean yeah i I would not be surprised if the guitarist is classically trained because he's so fucking good (laughs) such good shit man i'm just in such awe um fuck where are we at so next track fucking a step closer uh this is probably my favorite track on the album i think uh there's very few musical pieces that can uh uh, combine uh the combination of like something so intrinsically emotional and so searing with something so just brutal with the blast and then just the pummeling rhythms. Uh, four minutes 40 onwards is probably one of my favorite sections of the whole album. It's got a really, and you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier, it's got a real sense of longing and aching yeah. to the melody. And it's just, and it just, and they drag it out, it goes on, and it's like they do it with, 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 with Tomas blasting, and then they transition out of it and then go back with a halftime beat, which just is just so, I fucking love when that happens. Yeah, it, it just sounds so fucking really righteous. Good. And just like I, so a little bit of a, a story. So when I was um, doing my A-levels, I went to a couple of additional uh, revision classes in mm-hmm. Queen Mary's University. Mm-hmm. So I went to school in Pimlico. So I had to get like a, well, what I actually had to do was I was babysitting for the head teacher. Oh, really? So I used to get paid to babysit for the head teacher. And I used to have to drop him off to his dad in Hammersmith. Mm. And then I would have to get the train from Hammersmith all the way to Queen Mary's, which was a long journey. But it was the exact length of time of Elvenifrous. No way. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and like it got to, it was, I would always know. So like I could fall asleep and like totally like veg no, out to the oh. album and know that as soon as like a step closer was kicking in towards that bit, which was like my favorite part of the album. I was like, oh, okay, I've got about five minutes left. That yeah. is a testament to how much you've listened to, how much <laughs> of a fan you are of this album that you listen to it that much. But that, yeah, it's, that's the thing, man. It's like, um, and that's what I, I used to love about traveling on public transport. I mean, there's not many things to love about the tfl in london mm-hmm. but like it's like i totally used it as time to consume music 
And I was thinking about this today. I was on the tube and I was thinking like, oh God, it'll be terrible when they get to things to the point where there's like just Wi-Fi on all the carriages all the time. Because yeah. I really like that kind of like separation from, yeah, you know, just listening to the music on your phone or whatever. And, yeah. Well, this mm. goes back to my point. This is why I hate being fucking bothered on public transport. So I feel like it's one of the few, Only times, yeah. few times in my life where I have some time just for me. Yeah. And it's mainly spent just listening to music and staring out the window, yeah. pretending I'm in a music video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To ill disposed. To yeah. ill disposed. <laughs> but yeah, just fucking fantastic track. Um, and then, yeah, uh, the last kind of like um, sort of full band track of the album, you've got an old man and a child. Um, starts with, like I was saying before, that like this cool, almost slamming riff and like super guttural percussive vocals. I love the keys and effects on this track. It's just got a great combination of kind of groove, melody, like the syncopation is just off the scale. Um, and it's got such a cool triumphant and climatic ends this is the longest track on the album right yeah just so fucking good and then you know and then the outro as well like such a fucking peaceful and like zen like outro like uh mm. walking in the gardens of matt is it matt, yeah. Yeah, matt. matt um yeah fucking just an amazing album i, yeah, I can't say it enough there's something so fucking special i know i think it probably gets pushed aside a lot the last track and people are like oh it's just like a trancey kind of new agey kind of thing but like there's something so fucking purifying about it and, and really just like, yeah, it's called Walking in the Garden of Ma'at and as I said earlier, Ma'at is like a, a goddess. And you know something that's really interesting I found out recently is that um, the English word paradise comes from a Farsi word for garden. Oh, okay. So the concept of like paradise and like eternal happiness or something is, is essentially in the English language is rooted in like a beautiful garden. Okay. Which I think is super interesting in the context of this song. And it's like, it's kind of like this, yeah, this like, imagine, it's almost like an afterlife kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And yeah, there's this, and it's like, and again, there's something about the this album is like, the, like I said, so much of it is focused on, the lyrics is focused on like lessons and a journey. And I feel a bit like the brutality and all the slammy kind of parts of this uh, this album is like kind of, it feels to me like it's like, the fucking the harsh reality of just being alive and just yeah. all of the things that you are confronted by all of the all of the challenges that you meet in your life and yeah and just like the roiling chaos of what it means to be a human you know yeah. and the fact that like as much as it's what i want to do i can't just sit and like fucking eat fucking berries and read books in the <laughs> garden all day which is yeah. what i really would love to do yeah but yeah it's like yeah it's really interesting that yeah this 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 idea of complete peace you know, and it's like, that's kind of why it's really cool to me that this particular song is there at the end of the album. And it's like, I love the fucking slammy music and it's great. And it's like, because you've been through that and because it's removed, that's kind of what is special about it as well. It's absence kind of reinforces what it is and why it's special. And I don't think this is a throwaway song. I think this is like a really beautiful bookend to the, the kind of the whole chaos of the whole thing. And it's like, again, it's like this attained enlightenment. This is the end of the journey. I 100% agree. It's like, for me, it's always served as a really good palate cleanser. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a good fucking track, honestly, yeah. in its own right. Don't get me wrong. Like, it doesn't have the elements of the other tracks. You know, it's not a band's track. But I think it's testament to how skilled uh, the keyboardist and the person responsible for a lot of the synths are. Like Yuri, I believe. Um, because it just shows that when done tastefully, like, those additional elements can elevate an album 
to somewhere yeah. far above what it would have been without those elements. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm totally with you there, 100%. And that's actually something I never thought about. But yeah, like a lot of the, because it is such a pummeling heavy album in a lot of ways. And like, it does kind of feel like that battle between, you know, kind of like the grind and industrialization of the modern world versus, mm. you know, like what the world was originally, which was like, you know, like a beautiful paradise filled with, you know, like natural wonders. And that feeds into this, the, the dreamy thing. Yeah. And like, you know, like, they they come from Czechoslovakia. They don't come from Egypt. Yeah. And Egypt doesn't even look like the Garden of Ma'at. You go to the fucking Great Pyramid and it's all buildings around a fucking, oh, fucking little patch of sand. Right? Yeah. The McDonald's, yeah, it's like, it's like the, yeah, Egypt is like, you know, in its own way, industrialized a lot, you know, and it's like, yeah. it's not what it used to be in a lot of ways. And, you know, yeah. cultural things have kind of moved on. I think that's it's interesting because I feel like there's a lot of people that expect um, when they visit another country or a place, they expect the experience to present itself to them. They don't mm. understand that they have got to, that the person has got to be the one to initiate the experience. Yeah. Right? Because like, you know, and I think it's all down to your mindset and just how, how open-minded you are in visiting these sort of places. And the best example I could kind of give, which is like, you know, if you take your standard sort of British uh, sort of uh, tourist who goes to somewhere. Let's take Spain, for example. Mm. You've got that tenant of people that would go to somewhere like Spain and just stay at the beach connected to the hotel for the whole thing, just lounge about. And that's great. If that's the sort of holiday you want, absolutely fine. But like, I think there's certain people that when they visit other countries are so close-minded to the culture and what is important in that country. Yeah, They want the tourist experience as opposed to what it is actually like. Yeah, to be in that country or to be part of a different type of culture or, yeah. to, or even to, to be part of, but to experience what it's like yeah. to be uh, involved in a different culture. And it's like... Well, that's what happens when governments convince people that immigrants are scary and that things that aren't <laughs> normal, you know, they kind of, you know... That's what happens when populaces are kept ignorant and, in, you know, money isn't invested in education and stuff like that. Because what is it like the perfect cure for racism is travel? Yeah. There's that say something like that, and it's like if you just anyone who actually goes and spends time with any different person from a different culture or a different area of the world is like it's just plain to see that human beings are human beings no matter where you go and yeah. like at the root they're beautiful things and sometimes we're driven by an innate impulse to um hoard resources that like goes back to like a primordial kind of thing of like how we manage to kind of beat all the other animals and rise up to our position in the animal kingdom as it is, you know, and it's our, it's our fatal flaw. It's the human weakness, you know, that's like, yeah. that's, that's the eternal kind of question of why we're alive and everything like that, because we're kind of driven, we're compelled to destroy as well as create at the same time. And we yeah. can't just enjoy what we create. I think that that is, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Cause it's kind of like, I suppose the whole nature versus nurture argument in a way, because yeah. like, you know, we're self-conscious and self-aware enough to know better yeah. to be able to overcome certain uh, instincts yeah and whether however primal they may be yeah well so, you've got like a sorry but yeah no that, that and it's like you know I, I think a lot of the time i think humans certain and certain people um have such a strong ego that they think that, that, that we're not really top of the food chain yeah you know mm. i mean like we're not it's like if you look at like animals in their purest form like their existence, however simple we may view it to be, yeah. is just like animals are truly free. Yeah. Well, the ones that we haven't fucking captured. 
And fucking. Was that that meme of like a human and a gorilla, and the human's like, "Oh, I'm so much better than you," and the gorilla's like, "But you pay bills and you work, and you still don't have any money." You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. There's just like, oh yeah, I've seen so many good ones. Yeah, of them, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're pretty good. But it's like that whole return to monk meme. Have you seen that? It's fucking stupid. The internet is a yeah. weird and wonderful place. Yeah, I think we've we've done the album. We've I think we've up. done it, mate. We've Fantastic wrapped. album. I'll yeah. just say one last time: anybody that has never listened to this album, if you're remotely interested in Check extreme metal, death metal, um, there's even a slight element of black metal in some of the tracks here. Do yourself a favor and listen to it. You might not like it, but I could almost guarantee. If you don't like it, you are wrong. Yeah. Ding <laughs> dong, you're wrong. <laughs> so, and by all means, so feel free to leave us a like and subscribe. Uh, leave us a like and support. Yeah, I've been like talking so much shit. To subscribe, subscribe leave us a like, and let us know what you think of this album if you have listened to it. Because I'm always up for discussing this album with people, mm. particularly people that don't like it, because yeah. it, it boggles my mind. So, yeah. well, guys, thank you very much for listening, and until next time. Till next time. Sick. <laughs>